here and welcome to the first installment of 2018's podcast, The Show Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I am your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, G-Town Radio, 8 to 10 p.m. on Wednesdays, and I'm joined as always. Yo, what's up? Holler at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And tonight we are going to crack the seal on 2018 with a cult favorite from 1992, Leslie Harris's Just Another Girl on the IRT. But before we do that, we're going to start the year off right. That's right. By looking back at some of the um, notices and emails and tweets and stuff that and we this got. Is and this is and Yeah. Exactly. All right. From some of our Michelle missionaries. All out there, right. Including frequent email missionary. Aaron Fry. Hey, Aaron. Happy New Year to Aaron Fry. Well, speaking of Happy New Year, this year, did you know, Vince, is the 30th anniversary of the Clint Eastwood film Bird, which I, Aaron Fry, recently watched again, Forrest Whitaker at his best. Oh, okay. This film didn't sugarcoat any of the flaws of the main character, which brings me to my question. Vince. Okay, okay, yes. <laughs> Should they take another swing at Lady Sings the Blues? Nothing against the Motown version. Right, right, right. But right. that was a fairy tale compared to the book about her life. <laughs> Maybe do a different person like Ella Fitzgerald or the underappreciated sister Rosetta Tharp, the godmother of rock yes, and roll. Yes, sir. YouTube her. And find out, ladies and gentlemen. I absolutely think they should, but what you, you actually swerved, what I thought you were going to say is, should they do another Charlie Parker film? Because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of controversy about the the period that Clint Eastwood looked at and the whether of, uh, the Charlie period Parker's of Charlie life. Parker's life and whether or not it was really representative of the artist. But, but you know, I think Billie Holiday, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think there should absolutely be another swing at her biography. Of course, you know, I feel that about most of these people. Like, I don't know how many definitive biographies there have been on film where you can say, okay, now we're finished. Like, that was good enough. Like, that was good enough. Right. So, you know. Yeah, um, I'm hard-pressed to think of of any. Um, Lady Sings the Blues, admittedly, has been a minute since I've watched it. Right. And, but if I remember, I think in tone, at least visually, it matches what you would think of the life that Billie Holiday led because she did not lead uh, an easy life. No. By any stretch of imagination. But I would have to watch it again to see whether or not the script actually does her life justice right you know you know i think the thing about lady sings the blues and like you i haven't you know i don't think i've watched in probably five or six years it really comes off more as a romance between diana ross's character and billy d williams character right. which i think is not so much indicative of her biography exactly but you know if you're me I just love the chemistry between those two so much that oftentimes I watch Lady Sings the Blues and forget that it's supposed to be 
Bill Bi- Holiday. Right. That's supposed to be biographical. Right. So. Right. I could definitely see them taking another. I think it's um, enough time has passed. Right. Uh, that and her the story of Billie Holiday is worthy enough of being revisited. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, they're always going back to uh, I mean, let's put it out there. And and kind of like fits in with this movie. They're always revisiting Martin Luther King. Yes. Malcolm X. Right. God knows how many different uh times that bat JFK gets. Right. You know what I mean? Um it's very few between women that get, you know, multiple interpretations. There was that one year where actually I think two competing films or it was a film in a um, miniseries, I think, both looked at the the life of the first Queen Elizabeth. I okay. Think. Okay. And, and it was like remarkable that, you know, you had that book both going on at the same time and right, both of them right. being very good. Right. You know, I remember Kate Blanchett, I think, was starred in one of them. Um but that is that is wholly, you know, the exception to the norm. Right. Usually, you know, the, the women get one time at bat, you get your Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it. Right. And like really has there been another, you know biography of any woman or, or let's say, let's put it that way, black women that's been, you know, of note right. since then, really. Right, right. You know, that, that wasn't a Lifetime movie. Right, I was about to say, or an HBO movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or, or, or HBO movie, you're thinking about um, the... Uh, Bessie, was it Bessie Smith, that Bessie, Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah, yeah, Queen Latifah. which was actually very good. It was very good. Actually, it was very, very good. good. And actually, the other movie that I, I was thinking of, uh, Lynn Whitfield's movie. Oh, um... About Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. Also very good. And that was a TV movie, too. Also an HBO film. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, Lady, Billie Holiday is definitely worth, I don't think it necessarily has to be a remake of Lady Sings the Blues, just another biography of It's another bio of Billie Holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The last, I think, biography of Note Besides Bessie, because, you know, the the Lynn Whitfield movie was a few years ago was the Nina Simone movie and that was a documentary right and <laughs> and then there's a Nina Simone film with Zoe Saldana that we've all collectively decided never to happened. never speak of yeah right yeah that's somewhere right. off in the ether with the prequels <laughs> right exactly um so yeah I think they should take another yeah, absolutely. swing at that absolutely and Charlie Parker sure take another swing at Charlie why Parker why not if you want you know I don't know I mean, Charlie Parker is definitely, you know, one of those jazz legends that doesn't get, you know, spoken of as highly as he should. Sure. Um, so I think he's worthy to be praised for that for that note. And there's a Miles Davis film that just came out Yeah, I heard last year, but I didn't see it. So. I heard it wasn't that good. Okay. I heard that was not that good. Um, it wouldn't be, you know, so Charlie's worth worth the get out there. He certainly seemed like he was a, a very... Over the top character. I mean, so you there's know. a lot of stuff to mine there, but so is Miles Davis. Being. Right, there's right. A lot of stuff to be mined. Oh Miles yeah, Davis. oh yeah. You know, but Chadwick Boseman can only star in but so many. 
<laughs> um, that's why the Miles Davis one didn't work. Right. Chad was doing Chad Black, he was, he Black was Panther. Doing Black Panther. He was Black Panther and Marshall. Right, right. You know, on his weekends. So he's like, I guess now that it's officially 2018, we should probably throttle back on the Chaz Wick Bozeman jokes. Really? Because he's about to be in charge of black people. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Very true. Um, Toya Haynes wrote us on the Facebook group with a lot of people are having fun, including Vince. Real quick before I get to Toya's post, uh, Vince, a very nice picture that you put of your family. Yes. Up there. Yes, yes. That was that was an outtake from our holiday card. It would be our Christmas card, but we never get it out early enough <laughs> for Christmas. So it becomes our holiday yeah, card. So when did the card actually go out? And, uh, like maybe two or three days before Christmas. <laughs> It's a holiday card. It's the holiday. Card. It's holiday season. It, there you go. There you go. Tis the season. Yes. Um, so it's a very nice picture that you did of your family. Toya Haynes wrote us, said she was listening to the our review of Friday. Okay. And she heard what one of us said about house party. I'm not going to have too many more of these kid and play disses. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't know exactly who she was referring to. I mean, it was one of us. I'm not going to say who it was, but if someone pointed at you, I'd whistle. Sabria, uh, uh, Sabria <laughs> chimed in that she loves House Party as well, but she's not proud of this fact. Oh, be proud of it, Sabria. Ain't nothing wrong with House Party. Nothing wrong with House Party. Now, once you, <laughs> once, <laughs> once you get to two and three, yeah. then maybe be a little quieter. Yeah, just be a little like, yeah. Um. Then we, uh, what else did we hear? Uh, Robert Monroe wrote us about. What's up, Robert? About Merry Christmas, fellow missionaries. This year for Christmas, I got myself the 1957 RCA Italia 45 RPM copy of Eartha Kitt's Santa Baby. If Eartha sang to me like this, I'd only come once a year, too. Twice a year would kill me. Oof. Oof. Santa Baby is a lot. That is a lot, man. It's it it good stuff, though. Um, I'm convinced that she had to stop being Catwoman because it, it was they were having a hard time getting past the censors. <laughs> it was just too much. It's too much. Yeah. No diss to Julie Newmar, who I love, but Eartha Kitt was too much. She was. She was. Rashid Grafar. Hey. He says, so now what? And he put up this meme. About the end of black radio. Yeah, Either yeah, by accusations yeah. or cutbacks. Yeah. All the black news anchors lost their job in 2018. And this picture has, uh, uh, the meme has Tavis Smiley mm-hmm. who lost his job due to accusations. Right, right. Roland Martin. Roland Martin, they canceled his show off on TV, TV One. He was the only black uh, news show. Okay. Yeah, TV One had the only black, and they canceled it. And then... Uh, Tavis, not Tavis Smiley. Um, Tom Joyner. Tom Joyner is is retiring, but for for those of us here in Philadelphia, they took him off. They took him off the air. Took him off the air. And soon to be replaced by D.L. Hughley's. Yeah, yeah. Radio show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I think we all kind of talk about it, and and you know, appropriately enough, if you are listening to this, you are listening to a podcast of us talking about this, a black podcast, I think all three of them are perfect examples of how going forward, we need to control our means of communication. 
you know, TV One had the power to cancel um, Roland Martin. Uh, TV, you know, Radio One had the power to, you know, take Tom Joyner off. And whether or not they have pressured him into retiring or not, I'll leave that to the peanut gallery. But the bottom line is Radio Run, Radio One is in charge of him. And, and I believe Tavis Smiley owns his show. But PBS is in charge yeah. of distributing it. Yeah. And I think going forward, and it, it, you look, you got to control your own stuff. You got to control your own stuff so that nobody ha- has the outside power to shut you down. Very, very true. Um, and I think, you know, podcasting allows you that, that ability to do that. And let's face it, in 20. 20- 17 2018 you can do that through you know if you're resourceful enough right you know through youtube and yeah things of that nature you can build up your own little network your own little empire yeah so and it even if can youtube shuts you down or this that and the other you know you can move around them yeah but don't you think that um don't you think it, it, it that these th- let's take these three instances. Yes, Tavis Smiley lost his show because of apparently accusations. Well, of you know some sexual misconduct. Well, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds, but apparently neither side disagrees about the facts. He was dating subordinates. Yeah. Now, what the dispute is is whether or not that's ethical. And it's not. Well, I don't think it's ethical either. But, you know, Tavis Smiley apparently believes so. Believes so. But again, PBS believes otherwise. Right. So. So, I mean, so, I mean, all right. So depending on which side of the coin you fall. Right. You know, um, some might say that might be a little bit justifiable. Yes. You know, he lit the fire to his own demise. Right, right, right. Roland Martin. I think the story was they said it was too expensive, but they had just expanded it, expanded it to like either an hour or two hours from what it was. Mm -hmm. So even that seems a little disingenuous, but you know. Yeah, um, I'm I've never been a big fan of Roland Martin's. Oh, me either. But you know, you know, the brother's doing, but he's doing his thing, and he's doing, you know, he's doing the work. But maybe they wanted. Maybe that that was just code for them wanting to go another way. Maybe you know. Maybe TV One has famously um, their audience is primarily female. I don't yes. see Roland Martin really appealing to a huge fi- female demographic. Okay. Um. So I could imagine him maybe trying to go another way. Okay. You know, and because I think he had the show for like a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you you gave it a run. Right. And uh, next. Okay. Tom Joyner. He has been around for a minute. He's been around for decades. For a long time. Yes. And his. And his. his, 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 While his stick has never. I've never dug it. Right. Um, It was an old stick when it was young. Yeah. Yeah. It was always. Yeah. So now. It's an older shtick. Yes, it's an old shtick. So... But if they have the audience, and the audience enjoys them, and they're being pulled for reasons outside of that, 
Which, you know, that's a big if. You know, as we said, we don't know the Because that is a big if. Because right. the thing is, is, especially here in Philadelphia, the station that Tom Joyner, you know, first came to Philly on was WDAS, which was an older classic R&B right, right. station. And right. it fit perfectly with his old school appeal. Right. Right. They, once, the, unfortunately, that independent station got bought up. Right. By um, Clear Channel. Right. Um, chose to go another way. Right. Skew their demographic much l- younger than Tom Joyner's. Yes. So Tom Joyner moved to another station here in Philly, which has since all around him on the di- on their dial have skewed to a younger demographic. A little younger, yeah. So it, it was only just a matter of time. Unfortunately, here in Philly, there are no longer any stations that really cater to his audience that can afford his show. Right. Because there are some, right. but they can't afford his show. They can't show. afford Tom Jones. His show, rightfully so, is expensive. Yes. Because of what it does bring to the table. But the, if you can't, and there, there are stations that would want him. Right, but can't afford him. They can't afford it. Right. It's economics. Just economics. Yeah. Well, yes, I don't think it's either or. I honestly do believe you need to control your own stuff as much you as do you and i think in the future that he will now i think in the future he will i think in the future tavis smiley will i think uh, uh, i mean roland martin will and tavis smiley will i think for tom joiner i think he may be a little bit uh, too old too old well that was my next question like is this the fault of clear channel and a, a radio slash tv one or is it our fault as a consumer because what i was going to say is i think one of the issues that their audience has mm-hmm. is that they're not technologically savvy enough mm-hmm. to get this outside of these traditional venues. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, some of that is our fault. Like if you love these people, if you think that they that they provide this valuable resource and this valuable service, then I think we have to stop pretending it's 1983. Exactly. And you know, well let me let me just turn the radio on. Well, we have to do that, but also the people who we're listening to, they have to also sometimes lead us there. Right. Thinking about True. like when I think about Tom Joyner, I think of in his heyday was very much also the heyday of Howard Stern. Now totally different uh demographics. Sure, but I think that's a fair critique. Because when because Howard Stern very much at the height of his powers. Right. Saw the tea leaves, what was happening with radio, with terrestrial radio, and went to satellite radio. So you're saying that maybe Tavis, or or in this case Tom Joyner, to keep it one-to-one, should have moved to satellite radio, and maybe people would have followed him there. If, You're saying it was maybe his job to lead people. I think it was his job other, to lead to, to, to the, other mediums. Other, if, these if other not mediums. satellite, because at that time, sure. while it was still it was still just a neophyte, podcasting was bubbling up at that time as well. To 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 to, to find the other mediums, to look into the future. Right. And, and if not for his audience, 
just for himself. I think that's fair. I, I, I think that's a fair critique. I think, I think kind of what we, I think again, I'm, I'm back to why can't it be both? No, th- it, it should you, be you know, both. I think it should but... be both. And I think at this point, kind of like you said, at least two, and quite honestly, I think all three of them might be dead in the water. Mm. And, you yeah. know, for the next wave, you think they all have, three of them? You don't think Tavis Smiley can? I don't. I guess I don't, probably not with the four he's fighting against. I, well, you you know, again, I, I think I, I think. Well, first of all, we're talking about television and radio, right? So, so I don't know how much Tavis Smiley or um, Roland Roland Martin's audience will follow them to a YouTube, to a Vivo, to a you you know all of all of the various sort of um, visual outlets. Yeah. That people have much like I. I don't think Tom Joyner's audience will follow him to a podcast, to streaming, to satellite radio. But for those of us who are looking for something else, and, and there, you know, there, there are lots of us that do. Mm-hmm. We have to understand those of us on this side of the mic, like you and I. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I don't think we're letting out any state secrets knowing that, you know, part of me and Lynn's grand plans of world domination have never included Clear Channel no. or or Radio One. Nope. Because, you you know, the writing of that has been on the wall for, frankly, 15 years. Yeah. About both of them. And then you look up, it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I think it's up to the audience at this point. Like, no matter who you get. If you're getting it through this old outlet, understand that it can be neutered at the drop of a dime. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, just to, to, to cut it even closer to the bone here in Philadelphia, we're dealing it with it right now with Lady B. Yeah, how about that? You know, Lady B, the legendary, legendary mm-hmm. DJ here in Philadelphia. And they... they they threw her out like, like, I don't even know what they threw her out like. Like, I don't know if I've ever thrown anything out like they did Lady B. Yeah. Happened to us in Baltimore a few years ago with a locally legendary DJ and kind of mentor in my head, Tim Watts. Oh, really? Where Tim Watts is same thing. Like, just, it just you know, and in, in, in sort of radio business is that, you know, they say you never say goodbye. So that, you know, people just sort of turn on their radio and and Tim Watts was gone. Mm. And the same thing happened here with Lady B. And I I think that's the nature of the business. Yeah. So. It's a shame, though. It's 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 a real shame. And when you think about the history of radio in the black community and the purposes that it has served, it's it's criminal. Like, I don't I try to avoid putting on my conspiracy hat. But there are some conspiracies that I'm more apt to believe than others. Mm-hmm. And this is one that, you know, if I'm in a barbershop and people are talking about the conspiracy to get black voices off of the radio and off of these different, you know, these different outlets to reach people. I listen to more than I do other conspiracies. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Bill Cosby wasn't going to buy NBC. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure. About so, that. yeah, there you go. Spread the word. Black podcast. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Tom. Come on. Come on, Tom. <laughs> the water's fine, bro. The water's fine, bro. I, I I just think about it like, you know, at the height of 
at the height of his powers, if Tom Joyner, let's say, had gone to satellite. I think, I think in Tom Joyner's defense, he had Howard Stern's audience was a different audience. Howard Stern's audience it was different- younger, it was whiter, and it was male. And I think young white males have always been just sort of demographically mm-hmm. more open to technology. Fair enough. However, I think that Tom Joyner's audience um, at that time was in the prime advertising age, 18 to 54. Right. Absolutely. Skewed very much towards um, women. Okay. Absolutely. A great many of women who women, while maybe not, you could argue, you know, who's more into techie type of stuff, women or men, I don't know, you know. Nevertheless, women are savvy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And women, black women, like new cars. And when they get their new cars at that time, what they would do, they like to have toys in their new cars. And one of the big toys in new cars at that time was satellite satellite radio. radio. Interesting. And if Tom Joyner is on satellite radio. And would have partnered with him at the same time and said, and had his own Tom Joyner network. Had his Tom Joyner network. You know, which would have been skewed exactly to his audience. Open up a whole brand new demographic. Brother would be, he'd be writing his own ticket right that's, now. That's, that's not a bad argument. And and that, the way <clears> that <throat> the way the satellite uh, has worked their business, that they would have parlayed him into more of an internet presence as well. Right. Because they did that right. with Howard Stern. They did that with uh, Shade 45, Eminem's. Um, sure. They did it with the Foxhole. I was about to say Fox Jamie Foxx's show. Yeah. yeah. So they, they would they would have worked with him. In, in Tom Joyner's defense, I think Tom Joyner is very much, to, to his detriment, obviously, very much invested in the history of, of radio, of black and, and of black, black radio, radio. Black in particular, radio. and mm-hmm. and when you talk mm-hmm. about and you know we're dealing with this now with net neutrality, when you talk about these small southern rural black communities, yeah, this really was their lifeline. Yeah, that's true. And I think Tom Joyner was was really committed to that, but you you know again you see what that commitment gets you ultimately. Yep. You know the 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 little mammals run around the dying dinosaurs, so so that's what now, or that's now what at least from our view. There you go. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time for us to get into just another girl on the IRT. All right. Manhattan bound IRT train. Lots of folks think Brooklyn girls are real tough. <laughs> I let nobody mess with me, and I do what I want. Drop the track. Is it ready? Is it ready? Yo, I gotta float and let them know. Here we go. Uh, Don't put her down before you know who she is. Some people just started staring at us like we were some sort of street girls with no future. Yeah. Don't tell her where to go. I want to go to college. I want to go to college now. You're not ready. Don't shut her up. Isn't it important to talk about the things that are going on today? I mean, the things that we have to do something about? I'm going to take care of you, right? I love you. I just hope there'll be some real men at this party because I've been taking my sister's birth control pills. Just Miss woman, you have to get over this. Yeah. Too tired to love you wish you had. 
What does he have that I don't? He got her teeth! Mm -hmm. It's time to get busy. You don't make decisions for me. This is my body. I don't like you dating anyone living in the projects. We live in the projects, Daddy. Who else am I supposed to date? This is my life. If you can't tell by now, Chantel's definitely not just another girl on the IRT. People be tripping when they find out how smart I really am. <laughs> A film written and directed by Leslie Harris. 1992's Just Another Girl on the IRT film debut, and I believe her only film by director Leslie Harris follows... Young Chantel Mitchell, a 17-year-old high school junior who lives in Brooklyn, and Chantel wants to go to college and become a doctor, but of course she is a girl in a film, so she <laughs> runs into some obstacles, and, and actually one obstacle in particular. Um, this was the choice of Lynn Webb. Yes, it was. What say you about Just Another Girl on the IRT? First of all, I have to put it out there that this is one of those films that is like the reason for the Michelle mission. Okay. Because when this movie came out in 1992, I kind of heard whispers of it, mm -hmm. right? But back in 1992, I was a huge fan of the Charlie Rose show. Okay. Um, <laughs> how about yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember on the Charlie Rose show when he actually interviewed Leslie Harris. Okay. About this film, about the making. Right, 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 film, right. Getting it out there and this film becoming a, a darling of the Sundance Film Festival in 1992. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, oh, it sounds interesting. I'll, I'll have to check out that film, look for it. But it, it was uh, an independent film. Um, it was in the Sundance Film Festival in 92. It didn't really get a release in the States until March of 93. Right, exactly. And even then, it was only on 200 um, theaters at first. And I think it may have played here in Philly. I honestly I'm sure remember, it did, for a week or two. Just, yeah, yeah, you get a chance to check it out. So I did get a chance to check it out when it first came, first came out, but it's been a film that over the years, when I'm scanning, like, you know, HBO or Netflix, Amazon, or, or even in the video stores and everything like that. It's, I've know this poster. Right. Because right. it will just be staring at me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that film. But I would never get it. Okay. I would never click on it to watch it. Would never, I just wouldn't for no other reason. Because in my head, I remember hearing relatively good stuff about it. Right. Um, I remember being kind of interested in the writer and the director from long ago, uh, seeing her being interviewed. But for whatever reason, I never clicked on it. Okay. So as we neared down to 100, I knew that somewhere along the line, I wanted this was a, a movie that I wanted to click on, finally give it its just due in my head. Right. Um, because this was a film that in my head was a critically acclaimed film that I, for whatever reason, just slept on shame on you Len let's watch Just Another Girl on the IRT okay and it's a great story Leslie Harris it, um, wrote produced directed it all on her own it 
cost a hundred thousand dollars. It shot it in seventeen days. Pretty much the entire cast is all like first time or mm-hmm. or like very local actors, including the the lead uh, uh, Arian Johnson, who yes. plays Chantel. Um, and it's in uh, it, it it stands out even now as one of the rare coming of AIDS movies for women. How about that? So in that, it's a very important film. Yeah. It's an essential film. Yeah. You know, with a with a story to be told and a story that is rarely, rarely put to film about a, a young black woman, teenager, growing up, the trials and tribulations that she has to deal with, the 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 conversations that she and her girlfriends are having right about life about boys about their parents about the future um them having uh pie in the sky dreams of their future only to have life just knock them back down and seeing how they deal with it right um it's a very gripping story that is that you just want to lock on and like oh my god i can't believe that this hasn't been done right right and almost you would think like well maybe somebody's done this movie something akin to this sense and maybe they have i haven't heard of it me either you know and it certainly hasn't gotten a wide release maybe on lifetime or something like that but it was it certainly wasn't a movie right like this and it certainly stood out in 1992 93 uh one of the uh, those two years one of the only films that featured black women at at all as a lead were were two the bodyguard which was Whitney Houston yes. but very much playing up against you know Kevin Costner right right and I think it's fair that she was not reflective of of an average exactly. African American right life, and neither is Sister Act. Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg. With Whoopi Goldberg, you know, not an average life either. No, good comedy. No, 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 great comedy, but it's not you know the the try to true black experience by right. stretching an imagination, and certainly not the young black woman's exactly experience. Exactly, That's even, even more important. So that just makes this that much more of a vital film. And as I watched this movie and, and remembering all the acclaim that it had and, and some of the reviews, I remember uh, I, I was reading on here on uh, Wikipedia how Rolling Stone, Peter Travers said this was a cause for celebration, explosively funny, deeply moving, just another girl, it's not just another movie, it is not just another movie. Unfortunately, it is not that great of a movie. Right. I'm not going to say that it is a a bad movie. Right. Because bad, to me, bad implies that it is, there is just so much that is bad about it that there's nothing redeeming. And the story that this is trying to tell is so vital that that lifts up this the movie, right? And 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 keeps it from being just a total slog, worthless piece of uh, of time at the cinema. Sure. the The unfortunate part about this, though, is that the direction and the acting 
let down the story. Yeah. Um, the script, the, the script is definitely sounds like a first time, you know, yeah, script writer. So I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to nitpick over that. However, the 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 direction, uh, whether it be the the shots that are being done or the whatever direction is being given to the actors just lets down this story way too much. I think that you have in the lead. First of all, I think it's, I don't know whether or not, because I don't know whether or not this was, was uh, purposeful. So it's either uh, a, a misstep or very daring to have exactly a lead character <laughs> that you don't like. Oh, oh! <laughs> you, you, you just, you just do not like. Oh, I'm gonna put a pin character. in that. So that's where I'm gonna start. You go ahead and finish. But that's where I'm gonna start. <laughs> you know I mean, you just. Oh, I mean, you <laughs> to have this movie. You hinge on a character who you are not rooting for. Oh, I wouldn't say you're not rooting for her. I'm not rooting. But you don't like her. You don't. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Maybe. Okay. No. Yeah. You're not rooting for her. Because. It, and it's not because everything that she that happens to her, she did to herself. Because that happens in almost every movie. Right, right, right. That's right. the whole idea. That's, that's, the, the, that's the definition of a coming of age. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? But. To just so boastfully and willfully and ignorantly <laughs> just ask for everything that comes down upon you, despite the character stating she knows different. She will do different. <sighs> Saying that she's doing different. I agree. From the very beginning, like her voice. Like actually, Ross. Oh Lord, this is like nails on a chalkboard. Just her voice. Yes. However, I think we have to acknowledge that we are coming from this from the perspective of 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 men of a certain age. Like I think part of it is she's a kid, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of like you, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit with to serve with love. I think, I think just sort of. The, the the pheromones mm-hmm. off of teenagers, right? We don't like it. Okay, like just 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 right off the bat. Um, I think she makes really stupid boneheaded decisions, but I did trust the film enough. And and when you you know, like you said, you read about Leslie Harris and she thought about this story, and apparently she did some 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 legwork. Like she you know she did, she, yes. she talked to Planned Parenthood and she talked to these and. I think that this was a really realistic depiction of some stupid teenagers so that you almost like we're supposed to not like them. Like we're supposed to say this is an annoying. This child is annoying. Yes. Because she's a 17 year old girl and 17 year old girl should be annoying. Like, yeah. like you know, but. But I agree with pretty much everything you said. Like, like it's gonna be that episode. Like, like I think you, you, you know, there's, there's, you know, by my count, 
the third kind of film that we've done like this, where it's it's very this kind of guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of budget. You, you, you know, the the everyone involved is amateurish, and and you know, so so if we start with. If, if we start with straight out of Brooklyn and we just did have plenty of few episodes ago and now we have another girl on the IRT and I group all of them together. Okay. And I think of the three of them, I admire the spirit of this one. Me too. Out of yes. all three of them. I think of the three of them, the lead and remember the lead from, from, um, straight out of Brooklyn, Larry, and I just forgot his last name, went on to actually be a professional actor. Yes. But I think at this moment, these performances of those three, these performances, I think that, and of course, my computer just went down. Arianne Johnson. I think Arianne Johnson is the most charismatic in her performance. Oh, I disagree. Charismatic in that she actually has a personality. Like, I think Chris Sherratt's performance, he is, you know, I, we talked about it. I think he's not as charming as he thinks he no. is. I think Larry, um, and we should probably look it up if I'm going to keep talking about Yeah, him. if you're going to keep talking about the brother, I should look him up. I don't think he ever, his performance is ever really that centered. But I do think Arianne Johnson, you know, whether Leslie Harris directed her like this or not, has a very specific point of view. Mm-hmm. And a very specific approach to this performance. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, especially when we talk about it in totality, right? that this is a character that two men like me and you are supposed to not really like that much. I hear you on that. And that actor's name is uh, Larry Gilliard. Yeah, Larry, Larry Gilliard. Gilliard. Yeah. I hear you on that. The reason why I, 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 I disagree is because... Um, in the beginning, when you first hear her, first of all, yes, her voice is like nails on a chalkboard. But you know, you you get used to her, right? That's her voice. Yeah. And it's, and, and and in that, I'm hearing seventeen year old's voice, seventeen year old girl from Brooklyn, right. nineteen ninety two. That's what a lot of them sounded like. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but so I'm I, I'm hearing a voice and uh. And I'm digging her energy of, mm-hmm. of, of yeah. what she's what she's bringing into it, it, it from the very beginning. I think that at no time, at no time in this movie does she come off as, you know, this is what seventeen year olds sound like. To me, she she keeps coming off as this is what we think seventeen year olds are supposed to sound like. She sounds to me like a seventeen-year-old, but but she's the seventeen. And I'm, I've often said this: I like there's nothing more dangerous than a smart teenager. Mm-hmm. She strikes me as the person who's always been the smartest person in her group, mm-hmm. but it's a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. So yeah. so like the smartest person in this crew is not that smart. Right. Like she's just real she's just young and she gets in over her head and doesn't realize how in over her head she is. And I thought there were two there are two aspects of this film that really really spoke to me. One 
was the fact that you, you know, and and I actually put in my notes as Chekhov's baby, because you know, like the first scene, they meet her girlfriend, and her girlfriend, for, you know, has gotten pregnant now has a baby, yeah. and of course she makes this big announcement, and she's never going to get caught in in, the, in a trap like this, and she's going to be a doctor in this, and I say, up oh, Chekhov's baby, she's going to be pregnant by the end. Yep. Structurally, I thought it was really interesting that she gets pregnant halfway through the film. In a lot of these stories, when we talk about, you know, the young girl getting pregnant, mm-hmm. that's the end of the story. Okay. You know, she gets pregnant, her dreams are dashed, play an MC Light song, the credits roll. Right. And, you know, you almost see somebody pointing their finger. Don't do that, young girls. I thought it was really fascinating that half of this film and this goes back to the research that apparently um, Leslie Harris does. And half of this film was um, Chantel dealing with the pregnancy. I did like that too. All the way up through. All know, the way to the very to end. The birth. Which, which again, where it's, you know, spoiler, you know, it goes left instead of right. Where, yeah. you know, you think the moment is coming where she's going to see the baby and, you know, suddenly fall in love with the baby and the baby clutched my finger and this, that. And no, she is still this teenager. Yeah. And yeah. she says, throw that baby away. Yeah. Like she's still in denial about it. And she's still making these bad decisions. And that's sort of why I lean on your first read that Leslie Harris is setting up this protagonist as somebody deliberately that we don't like. Okay. All right. The second thing that fascinated me about this film structurally is the commitment that Leslie Harris makes to making this a female point of view. They're in the projects. Mm -hmm. This is 1992. So we've all been taught by 1992 that if we're talking about the projects and it's some black people and it's the movies, we got corrupt police. We have gun violence. We have drugs. We have all of this stuff. Yeah. And this film keeps a laser focus on these issues that Harris deems as women issues. Yeah. Even to the point where there's a great scene where someone gets shot and everyone runs past Chantel and Chantel is walking the other direction. Right. Where the film all but tells us we are not dealing with that. Yes. We are dealing with this. Yes. This, so it's that same neighborhood, but there's something else going on in this neighborhood. Right. Right. But we're not dealing with that in this right. film. Right. So, you know, it's that is I mean, yo, again, that that is that is what is so vital about this movie, you know, the, just that story, right. that perspective that is n- totally dis- usually disregarded, uh, right. unseen, you know, or is at most the B story of other movies. And even then, it's the woman's plight as seen through the lens of the boyfriend. Right. Like the boyfriend character would have been the main character. Right. You know, um, I thought that I thought that it was very interesting and could have been very easy for them to play up that this guy who gets her pregnant, Ty, Ty, um, Easily could have been like the bad guy, and he, and he does come off as a little bit. Yes, 
bad guyish. But then he becomes the hero of the day. The hero of the day. I love Todd by the end. And, and, but, but the thing <laughs> is that I loved him the whole way through because it was a true character. Yeah. You know, he was speaking from his point of view. Yeah. And his point of view, baby, I'm offering you. Right. This, this is what we can do. I mean, even make this right. Even before that, like what I just said, when she meets Ty and Ty has the new Jeep and mm -hmm. Ty has the clothes. And they, I mean, again, 1990s movies have taught me. Well, Ty must be a drug dealer. Right. Ty's yeah. not a drug dealer. No, Ty just got a good job. He's just spoiled by his mom. Well, that too. Right. Yes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what a mom. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I like that. I I like the characters as they're set up. Right. It's again. It's just the acting lets it down, and I have to, I have to blame a little bit of that on more so on the directors. Sure. Than the actors. One because the actors are very amateur. It's first time actors, and and two Leslie Harris while this being her first and only feature film had done work in commercials and in short films before so she had she's worked with actors yeah but yeah you know uh, okay i mean you could you could say that you know that may not you know you say how much experience she's had right but she is still the one that is schooled in this. No, I hear you. So right. I think it's fair to lay that. Form. As opposed to Maddie Rich and Chris Sherratt, exactly. who neither one of them were were trained right. they filmmakers. Were just, you know, going for it, you know, from the gut. Right, you right. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, but it, but it doesn't discredit the film at all. I watched this film with uh, with Lily Triple. Yeah. Who. I just assumed because of the type of film that this was, again, this is another film that I wrongfully assumed that she probably would have seen. Right. She had never seen it. Yeah. She had never seen yeah. it. Yeah. And um, while she, too, did not enjoy the movie, she did appreciate what the movie was trying to do. Right. The story that it was put out there. You don't see these stories. You don't see the women having to deal with this from you know uh uh from start to end uh you know having the baby um you don't see them having to basically Chantel has basically at the end she really has a surrogate mother yeah you know it's not it's not her mother who you're not told is a bad mom she's just a busy mom I, she, look she just work she just work all she the just time. work i think you know she's claudine out here busting her hump i don't even you know i don't even know if she's claudine i think she's just like i think a lot of parents are like this like i got to work yeah. like i work it's a lot you, you know you think about you know i don't know about your your teenage years but i think a lot of us have parents that worked yeah. So you know it's five, six, seven o'clock before you see somebody else. Yeah. You get into a whole lot of trouble by five, six, seven o'clock. I thought it was also interesting in talking about you know how Chantel is um, dealing with her pregnancy, and, and and I will admit that once she becomes pregnant, you know the I think there's the 
a decided tonal shift in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is for yeah. the most part well handled. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come off like, you know, like, oh my God, now we're stepped into like, you know, the very special IRT, you know, <laughs> right. moment. Um, so I think it, it, it it's well handled. Uh, and, and I think that. After she does become pregnant, the the movie has a little bit more a little bit more energy. Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a story now. I was about to say purpose, even. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it very much, you know, matter of fact, day in the life up until then. Um, I thought that uh, I thought it was kind of interesting them playing how Chantel hides her pregnancy. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, uh, which is the real deal. I was. I look. You can tell Leslie Harris did research. Did her research. Because I've heard and witnessed several versions of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look up and now there's a baby. How about that? But again, you're the smartest person in a group of people that aren't that smart. Plus, you have parents who are just busy. Mm -hmm. So they can't. I mean, you know, this whole notion of helicopter parents is fairly new. This is what happens. Yeah. This yeah. is what happens. It's, um, I thought, it, I, the moments of this film that I actually really liked it more than others. Right, right. Are the scenes where the girls are just hanging out. Oh, yeah. The girls are just, you know, being young girls. I mean. <laughs> talking about everything under the sun. It's actually disgraceful that in 2018, it's still so refreshing, but it, it it reminded me of a conversation that we had last year about Insecure mm -hmm. and about how great it is just to see black women, and in this case, you know, young black women, just being with each other, yeah. talking, because you don't see it. No, you don't. Man. Like, it's actually disgraceful that we have to champion this film because there there aren't many other films that we could next to it yeah so and i also thought that that just like real life in their camaraderie with one another there are little stabs of drama oh yeah melodrama but it's not allowed to bubble up into anything more right than what it really would be just right like come on we just want to get over it right because they're I mean? kids because they're kids yeah you know even though I, I i'd like to think i think that in a coming of age story with guys that have been like the the big thing. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. He disrespected me. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Although I did think her girls were kind of stupid that they hadn't figured out she was pregnant. She had been hiding it. Yeah, see, this is what I mean though about you, the smartest person in a group of people that aren't that smart. Okay, well they weren't. No, they weren't that smart. They weren't I, that I mean. Smart. They were, they were they were cute though. They're yeah, you know your girls. Kids. Your girls' boyfriend gave gave her a five hundred dollars. It's not. I mean, how how much how much guessing do you have to do in nineteen ninety two about why he gave her this money? They don't know. All they knew is they could go get some earrings and a new coat. Right. They was fly. Right. They was right. fly with it, man. And I think you have to appreciate this movie's um, tour of nineteen ninety two's Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is this feels very realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels very realistic. So 
I don't know if I have anything else to say about just another girl. I'm sure. Do you have anything else? Did you? No. I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciated the fact that Leslie Harris went out of her way not to make the male characters bad people. They were well-rounded They were characters. well-rounded people. I mean, they were a little... As the much as dude, you, you know. Her, her, like, I guess... Who, Larry? Larry, the boyfriend. Larry was confusing to me because clearly Larry was 30 years old. Yes. Like, why is she dating this old-ass man? Why? Don't nobody have no questions about Larry? Larry is clearly 30 years old. Why is Play's older brother... Right! ...in high school? Right! Even though that makes sense. Let me go and do the running man with you, but I got to stretch first. <laughs> this dude is 30 years old. You should be with me. I got benefits. <laughs> I don't need a car. I got tokens. <laughs> he like, actually oh, said that. Oh, Larry. He actually said, I don't need a car. Oh, Larry. But tokens. again, again, I kept thinking, oh, she's going to get with the flashy guy. But the flashy guy is going to be bad and this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, you actually made a, like, that's the one good decision that you made this whole film. Yeah. Leaving Larry. In getting with Ty. Yeah. Because, you know. But, um, you know. And Ty's still there at the end. I mean, hey. And they're not together, though. Yes. Like I said, I love the way this story unfolded. Yeah. It was very, and here's that word again, realistic. It was. It was. It, I guess. They are co-parenting. She is going to community college. There's no guarantee she's going to finish. No. Because, you know, there's still some red flags mm-hmm. that she's still, you know doing her thing but this is where we gonna stop right we just gonna stop the film right here i want to hear whether or not you would recommend this film however okay first i'm curious as a teacher yes do you think that this is a film worth showing to a class i do i do like like you mean like teenagers yeah absolutely yeah i was thinking about that absolutely because again I think so many of the decisions that she makes in this film are realistic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I saw a few versions of this in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, this, this I'm hot in the pregnancy, and then you wait until it goes too long, and now, you know, something dramatic happens. And, I mean, I, th- I thought, it, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I th- thinking that this is a film that, you know... There's uh, there definitely is some datedness to it. Yeah. That if you showed it to kids today, you know they'd have to get past that. And yeah. Chuckling, which which to its credit though, because the pregnancy does come halfway through the movie, you've gotten all the chuckling out of the way. Right. So now when it gets real, yeah, I can see a class being like, oh, but why she do that? You know, yeah. like really getting invested yeah. in the story. Yeah. And the lessons that it's it's bringing. Yeah. Because the lessons aren't you know uh they they aren't like like rammed down your throat no 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 and i mean one of i thought one of the more subtle moves in this film is is there's a surprisingly graphic sex scene but that is bookended by her having a surprisingly graphic scene of childbirth yeah so that you see oh well that's why it got because I was like I don't know how much I need to be watching this right now, yeah. and then so it it very much 
tells you you, you got to pay the piper sometimes. I also like that 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 sex scene that you're talking about is uh, it's not romanticized at all. No, it is. No. It is there. It's it's graphic, but it's more graphic in its just raw realness. Right. It, of it, what how that is two 17 year olds grappling with each other in a bed exactly yeah you know so i actually appreciated that on, on like when i watched it the second time because the first time i was just chuckling at it right like like what the hell are they doing right but then i was like okay I'm, i see what you're going with what right going for there it which makes it interesting that this is Leslie Harris's only feature film. Well, you know what? I, I wanted to say this too. I think it's a lot of these films, and 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 you know, I think this happened to Maddie Rich too. Speaking of Maddie Rich, where I think that a lot of these sort of mainstream critics, especially during this time, that kind of you know, and here's his name, that kind of post Spike Lee moment where mm-hmm. everybody was looking for the next yeah. Spike Lee. I think that there was so much hyperbole involved and so much everyone tripping over themselves mm-hmm. to kind of say, ooh, look what they did. That a lot of these directors, and I think Leslie Leslie James is an example of this. Leslie Harris. Les, I'm sorry, Leslie Harris kind of died on the vein because mm. they picked him too early. Okay. Like, I wish Just Another Girl on the IRT was a film that I saw after I saw her fifth film. Gotcha. Like, you know, oh, well, you know she made this little film first that didn't really do much, but because it was so big and so whatever and it was on and it made the circuit and then it just, like, I don't think she had room to develop. Mm. And I think this happened to a lot of young black filmmakers at this time. True. I wonder how much of that is that she, especially at that time, was one of the few young black women filmmakers. Absolutely. And just wasn't given the opportunity, therefore afforded the opportunity. That's that's always part of it. I mean, that's always part of it. I mean, they definitely, I mean, obviously Julie Dash could have made a second movie. Yeah. So. You know, they were kneeling at the altar of Spike and yeah. John Singleton. Yeah. No, no, no. That's true, too. Yeah. That's true, too. But I do, I do think that the praise was much more effusive than it than the quality of the film really justified and i think a lot of it again to bring maddie rich back in and chris sherratt to a certain degree was more about the biography of the filmmaker Mm -hmm. than the film itself would you recommend i think i would they said i i think i would i think you know again it's it's kind of we get these films where we say, you know, the movie, except for the acting, the script, and the directing, there's something there. But I think that's fair. I think, I think but there is enough here. You that. know, I think there's enough and and again, I think it's I think it's an important film to be in a conversation about black film. And I, I actually I, I I complete I absolutely um agree with your reasoning that this should have been part of the first 100. Yeah. And so so yeah, absolutely. When if will you show this to uh Camille? 14 or 15. Yeah. 14 15. You know, again, I th- I think um I think teenagers do dumb stuff. 
I think that's sort of the nature of teenagers. And I know, you know, you know, they're before the grace of God. Yeah. You know, you do this stupid stuff and some of us come out unscathed. Some of us don't. And then it's like, it's kind of in, in between. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this, this is a great depiction of some teenagers doing dumb stuff. What does IRT stand for, Vince? Oh, Lord. I looked it up and then I forgot immediately because I didn't care. It's just something about the train. It's something they call the train. It's, <laughs> I know T is for train, I think. I, no, T is for train. Or transit. It's for the Interborough Rapid Transit Company. There you go. Specifically, the IRT Lexington Avenue line on the right. New York City subway. Sure. That's what IRT means. There you go. So now those of you listening to it who are interested, you don't have to look it up. Because they would want to know. They would want to know. What are they going to tell us what IRT means? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess just another girl on the train would, wouldn't, have, same. wouldn't have been as evocative. Especially since I'm... Mm, Do you ever see that movie called Train? I did not. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard movie, boy. Okay. It's a hard movie to watch. Is it a black movie? Yes, it is. Really? I don't. I'm not sure if it got a a, a theater release it's called Train. You never heard of it? I've never even heard of it. Oh, who's in it? Uh, you know who's in it? I don't. Wood Harris. Wood Harris. Yes. I do like the Harris brothers. Wood Harris is is in this movie. Uh, let me see. Hold up. Now I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. I'm sure. I'm almost certain it was called Train. <laughs> But um, are you thinking about Lethal Weapon 2? <laughs> you want me to be thinking about Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, you don't know the name of it. Ah, so no, I, I, I was wrong. It's, it's called um, Train Ride. Oh, I have heard of Train Ride. Yeah. Yeah. Train Ride. Yeah. With Wood Harris and uh, MC Light. Yeah. Uh, written and directed by uh, Rel Dowdell. Okay. Did you ever see it? I have not seen it. It is an Academy Award winning, critically acclaimed feature thriller film. I don't know what Academy. They don't. They, they specifically <laughs> say Academy with a lower A. So <laughs> you know, you know, just just to let you know. Academy Chicken Nuggets presents uh, this film, which was funded by uh, Rough Nation right here out of Philadelphia. Okay. Revolves around the consequences of an incident of date rape on a college campus in Philadelphia um, and stars Wood Harris and MC Light. It was also, this film featured the last project of Esther Roll. Okay. And the film was thus dedicated to her and was shot on the campus of... uh, Cheney University and it ranked number five in the top 10 best college movies on BET.com that's really interesting I thought um, Down in the Delta was Esther Roll's last role mm, no okay no no this uh, yeah all right yeah but I, I, like I said this was this didn't get a uh a wide, wide release. Wide release. I, I actually doesn't even say it debuted theatrically in Philadelphia in 2005, uh, and then was released on DVD. So it was released here in Philly, but really just like in Philly. It wasn't like you know. Right, 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 right. Out in theaters and stuff. 
So okay. I don't know if it would right. qualify for us to review. But it's an interesting film. All right. So I'll put it on my list. Please do. All right. All right. So would you recommend it? You said you would recommend it. I would wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend, recommend just film. another girl on the IRT. I think it is, it's just a, it's just a vital film to see. Yes, it really. It's not a, good it, adjective, it, and it's and it's weird. It's it's very strange for me to have it admittedly not a great film. Yeah, but I think you should see it. But it should absolutely be part of the conversation. It certainly should. All right. If for no other reason, because there are so few. Because there are so few chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 95. 95. There are only five more episodes of yes. the show mission. Yes. Before we get to episode 100. No. Four more. There's four more. Yeah. Duh. There's four more before four we more. get to episode 100. And in our screening, which is planned for February 24th. Yes. So if you do the math, you can realize we're going to be sticking the binge lounge in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we do? Somewhere. But we thought... You saw She's Gotta Have It got renewed for a second season. I mean, duh. I don't know about no duh. Uh, come on. No duh. Duh. Netflix is about to lose everything Disney. I'm just... Duh. Yeah. They are redu- and I just watched the first three episodes of season one of Netflix's um, revamping of One Day at a Time. Yes. Now it's from a Cuban. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, starring, and I can't remember the actress that stars as the lead, um, but Rita Moreno. Is I say, it doesn't matter because Rita Moreno is in it. Yes, because Rita Moreno is in it, and she's being all Rita Moreno. Um, and I actually I actually like the actress that, that, that plays the lead. I like everybody in it. The show is not... But most importantly, Rita Moreno is in it. Who? Rita Moreno is in it. Whew. The show is not funny. It's not bad. It's not... There's actually no reason to watch it, except Rita Moreno. It's, yeah, because it's... Not, however, I do appreciate that it is a, uh, it's looking at, you know, that domestic yeah. life and um, the, that single parenting yeah, sure. from a Cuban Sure, why and, not? And it's steeped in its... It, in that culture, so I do appreciate that. She used to be on Six Feet Under, the lead. Oh, really? Yeah. She um, and that show, which is not funny, right? Got renewed for a second season. Did it really? Yes. I didn't think anyone even watched it. Yes, I think I think the um the second season is going to be um wow. It's going to be coming up uh, very soon. Uh. Justina Machado. Yeah. That, that who's play, who plays the lead. I watched like three episodes just because of Rita Moreno. And but I think that's the only that's reason all why I, I watched those do. three. And I was like, all right, yeah. Rita, I gave you. Yeah. I gave you three. You know? But Well, she's got to have a guy. So, so if that's going to get renewed. Hey, man. I knew that she's got to have it. Yeah. And like I said, about the least, everything Disney, they need content. Yeah, they do. So. Got are, four more. So we got four more. Got four more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we thought. That we would put it out there to you, ladies and gentlemen, what our four, what our four are will be so that you can get them lined up. Lined up. And watching them. Watch them. Right in lockstep with us. There you go. So next week, which will be, well, the next show, which will be episode 96. Yes. Will be Vince's film. It is. And Vince's film will be. Fences. Oh, man. Fences. 
fences with Denzel Washington. In Viola Davis. In Viola Davis. Yes, it is. Okay. And that's actually on some place right now. I think. Yeah, I think it's like on Amazon. On maybe, maybe that is. Yeah. Is Amazon. Yeah, I remember I was looking and saw that there. All right. So we'll be watching Fences. Yes. Next week. There you go. So well, you've probably already seen Fences, ladies and gentlemen. But watch it again. Yeah, you should absolutely watch it again. Re-up on some Fences. All right. And then the week after next, <laughs> it'll be your turn. And we're going to watch. <laughs> I have the movie in my head and now I'm blanking on it. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Because, it, cause it, because it's a science fiction movie. Okay. With Lawrence Fishburne. Kennedy talks about it all the freaking time. It's one of the few science fiction movies that has a, a kind of mostly black cast. Science fiction movie mostly black. Um, it's not The Matrix, is it? No, it's not The Matrix. <laughs> um, I just drew, drew a blank on it. This isn't that horror movie, is it? What horror movie? No, he was the only black person in that. Which one? Like like the one is basically an H.P. Lovecraft story, but it was in space. I think that's it. How is that a black movie? <laughs> that's not a black movie at all. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I absolutely know it. Wait that's a not a black movie. I have to find a movie to make sure oh, that you're talking God's about sake. what I'm talking it's about. It's almost like we didn't talk about this an hour ago and say we were going to do it. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I drew a blank on the... I'm drawing a blank on the movie. Um... Uh, this this what you gonna squeeze in under a hundred? <laughs> it's like the mouth of madness or something. This this what you gonna squeeze in, huh? Event Horizon. Really? <laughs> Wait, no, come on. No, that's not a black movie. How do you know it's not a black movie? Because I've seen it and it's not a black movie. What? It stars Lawrence Fishburne, Richard T. Um uh, what's his name? Richard T. Washington? Is that Jones. Name? Jones. Richard T. Jones? Uh, a lot of white people. I was because I hear Kennedy talking about all these black people, and I was sitting there like, it's not no whole lot of black people in Event Horizon. Yeah, we're not doing Event Horizon. Let's pick something else. That's not a good... Yeah, pick something else. I gotta pick something else? Yes, that's terrible. You're saying I have to pick something else? I'm saying that Event Horizon is not a black movie. Really? Not at all. I don't know about that. It's not a black movie at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Event Horizon. What? It's, it's, it's a good movie. I mean, hell, we might as well do The Matrix. The Matrix is blacker than Event Horizon. No, we can't do that. We can't do, we can't. The Matrix is not. No, no, it's not. It, well, it probably does have. Black it people. actually has more black people in it. <laughs> All of the bad guys are white authority figures. <laughs> like, you can actually make an argument for the Matrix. Okay. All right. Okay. Then I'm going to go to another choice. Okay. <laughs> so, for episode 97. Yes. Then <clears throat> Horizon. I wanted to do a, a science fiction if we could. Then find some black science fiction then. It's hard. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, it is. So I'm gonna do Running Man. <laughs> Jim Brown's in Running Man. That's a black man, movie. Yafet Koto. Jim Brown, Yafet Koto, both in the Running Man. If you had the two of them in your movie, your movie's a black <laughs> That's movie. That's a black movie, <laughs> right? The hair care products that were needed for that film. Clearly, this is a black film. 
You know how much Murray's hair grease they use for that film? You know how much hair, Murray's hair grease they use to get Yafakoto into that, <laughs> into that one piece? <sighs> What's your next choice? Um, you'll like this one. Okay. Sweet, sweet bags, badass song. Whoa! You going hard like that? Yes. You gonna knock down my event horizon? Damn! I thought we was gonna use that for an anniversary or something, but no. all right. No. All right, sweet, sweet bags, badass song. Yes. All right, so that'll be episode ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. All right. So then ninety-eight is going to be imitation of life. Boom. Okay. Got to get that in before hundred. That's an, I mean, I mean, it's not as important as Event Horizon, but you <laughs> it's know, not. I feel like it's not as good a movie. As uh, it's not as good a movie as Event Horizon, <laughs> but you know, I just feel like Imitation of Life. We should talk about that before Episode One Hundred. Okay. You know, I, I don't mean to bump Event Horizon, which you know, all of the black scholars, you know, you talking about Elvis Mitchell, or you know, when we talk about black film. Don, Donald Bogle speaks of Event Horizon. You can make an argument that, well, first of all, which... 59. 1959? 1959. Okay, now, Imitation of Life, 1959. Who was in that movie? It's only one black person in it. Exactly! Yeah, but it's a film, like, it's, it's like there's nothing blacker than Imitation of Life. Like, the subject of passing, there's actually no blacker subject than that. It's like slavery passing. Break dancing. Anyway. <laughs> For episode 99. Episode 99. I feel that it is only proper. Yes. For the show mission to yes. once again return to the films of our forefather. Oh. So, so what are we going to do? This time we will go to 1932. Okay. To 10 Minutes to Live. 10. By Oscar Michelle. By Oscar Michelle. Very nice. It's a nice final four. It's very. There. It's a nice final four. That's a very prestigious. Exactly. That final four. Like we really. I mean, he's just. It's a shame we can't squeeze in Event Horizon. Event Horizon. We can do a <laughs> double feature of Event Horizon and Lethal Weapon 2. Man, that's, that's black filmmaking. That's some black films right there. But what we will squeeze in, ladies and gentlemen, starting next week, as promised, will be the return of our review of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, is it, when's it come back on? As it, uh, the second half of its first season... Um, returns this Sunday, January 7th. Oh, my God. Does it really? Yes, it does. Oh, and my God. I feel like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory <laughs> at this point. I'm only halfway through Black Mirror. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did the new season start? The new season, yeah. Oh, okay, I haven't Yeah, the new season yet. started the 29th. I'm like halfway through that. I haven't, I haven't seen Dave Chappelle. I still oh, Dave Chappelle is, is good. Man. I haven't finished the, the Dave Chappelle's. You know, I, they were I pretty good. Still haven't done the Punisher. Yeah, you can wait on the Punisher. Yeah, Dave, Dave Chappelle's worth is, is worth watching. I know, but I'm, I'm a Black Mirror dude. No, no, no. Yeah, I will like, finish like, Black yeah, Mirror. So, but then I would watch Dave Chappelle, and I don't I don't know if you're a Peaky Blinders guy. I'm watching Peaky Blinders. Oh my God, my nephew is going to hear this, and he's going to 
kick his device in. He's been trying to get me to watch it for like the past month. Peaky Blinders is good, man. Season four. Is just I got to do Peaky Blinders now. Do Peaky Blinders before you do The Punisher. Okay. Well, I, I think I am. I think The Punisher is about to get, like, I think Iron Fist is over on the sofa, patting down the sofa. Pulled up another tray for Punisher. <laughs> um. What was I about to say? Oh, so yeah, so we're going to be returning to uh, review Star Trek Discovery with, and this time our show has a name. If you listen to our that's finale, right? That's right. Our, we review the right, right. First so we'll half. start up with, with Spock adjacent. Spock adjacent. Spock adjacent. Which is the name of our Star Trek? Name uh, of our Star Trek show, our, our Star, Star Trek, Trek Discovery show. show. Well, you know what? Spock adjacent. Since it's Spock adjacent, I think we can call it our Star Trek show, because at some time. Their season's going to be over. Yeah, and you're tr- you're a hardcore trekker. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm well. You know, I'm a hardcore trekker until like an actual hardcore trekker person walks in the room. Never. It's least. like the Prince fan. Like I'm a Prince fan until like one of them real Prince fans walks in. I hear you. So I'm a hardcore trekker until one of them real hardcore truckers walks in. I hear you. So yeah. But I think that once we're finished with the first season, we can just have we can a always peri- have a just periodically talk, talk about. Talk about Spock adjacent, you know, get some of my deep space non stuff off my chest. Yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. I like that. That might be a nice place to bring in Kennedy to argue about if Fin Horizon being a black film. Horizon is a black film. It's just. Interesting film, though. It it's is. an interesting film because it is science fiction horror. And which Lawrence science... Fishburne is the lead. Yeah, yes, yes, Lawrence Fishburne is the lead. Well, I'm just saying. There's nothing particularly black about it, well, but he is the lead. There's nothing particularly black about Action Jackson, but we did Action Jackson. Well, we talked. We then said that it wasn't a black movie. Right, right. But part of it is, you know, if you switched him out with another actor, it would yes. have been weird. Like, it, it is black because of how they neuter him. Okay. Like, they never would have neutered Chuck Norris like that. Right. Well, okay. So. Vin Horizon, you take out Lawrence Fishburne and you stick in Scott Bakula. It's the exact same film. Okay, fair yeah. enough. But as science fiction horror, it's an interesting film. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting film. Very so. interesting film. So it'll make its way onto our mission. Mm, will it? <laughs> I mean, will it? Yes. <laughs> All right. But next week. But next week. What did you say we're doing? Fences. Fences. There fences. You, you know, this is that's sort of a um I'd say it's a little selfish for me in fences. Like like I've had periodic uh moonlight conversations since we've done our episode and you know, obviously I'm a big, big, big champion of moonlight. Mm-hmm. And whenever moonlight comes up, somebody somebody wants fences. to ask me about fences and what I think about fences and this. So it's it'll be nice to have that. Yeah, you can just tell them like, go listen to my go show. listen to or you know you listen to the moonlight. People say, oh, I listen to moonlight. Tell them, what about fences? Episode ninety seven. So now we ninety six. Do some fences. You, I'll talk all about fences. We'll talk about. Um, is this our first proper Denzel Washington film? I mean, we did Mo Better Blues. We did Mo Better Blues. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so we did Mo so, Better okay. Blues, and then we did the other one with um, him with the Indian. 
Wait, oh, we did do Mississippi Masala. Mississippi's Masala. Oh, so this is our third Denzel movie. Yeah. Okay, all right. Making all right. our way through. All right, all right, there you go. We got to, you got to slow up. I mean, Denzel got a whole podcast right, to himself. Right, right, right. I know, right? You know right. what I mean? So Had to get to the mighty Quinn. Young Shirley Ralph. Yeah, Esther Roll. Esther Roll's not in the mighty Quinn, is she? I believe so. I think she, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think she's in uh, the Mighty Quinn. She burns up in a fire. Okay. Yes, because I laughed my butt off. You should think about that. I think about it often. <laughs> it's been laughing in. Right. I remember that hearty laugh I had when Nestor Roll burnt up. <laughs> I'm not an Nestor Roll fan. Not an Nestor Roll fan. Not at all. Not at all. I like her in Down in the Delta. Like- I'm, I'm now finished. Yeah, yeah, it's time to go. Um, All right, this show is available just where you found it, ladies and gentlemen, Absolutely. on MichelleMission.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place and any place a good podcast be, including the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, including the CLSN Podcast Network, and including another podcast network coming real soon. Coming real soon. Yeah, we're working on stuff, and. We had hoped to be able to announce it this week. We can't announce it this week. But it looks like next week we will have a huge black movie event announcement to make out there to you in the Michaud missionary world. We can't do it right now. I really wanted to, but mm. we can't. Um, what could be happening in the next month or so that you and I would be making an announcement over? It's big. Is it big? It is big. It's almost like a kingdom of bigness. It is a big kingdom. Like a kingdom. Like a mythological kingdom, maybe even. Yes. That somehow has roped in our friends from Brooklyn. How about that? It's kind of interesting, our friends from Brooklyn. We were talking to them about... A fictional black we country. We're talking about a fictional black country. It's, it's almost like synergy. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do things with fictional African kingdoms with them. Interesting. So we'll announce that next week. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we gotta get out of here please continue writing us at michellemission at gmail.com we love reading all of your emails Um, drop us a line follow us on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at michellemission the Facebook group the michellemission is having a whole lot of fun Vince is is bugging out with everybody on there he's got family photos up there he's got outtakes we've got funny questions going on we've got to get get some more questions going out there in 2018 Um, and um Support black podcasts out there. Leave us a ranking or a rating on uh, iTunes. That really helps people find the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to get out of here. I'm Len. He's Vince. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.